Good morning. How are we doing, church family? My name's Derek. I'm one of the pastors here. I just took a drink as I walked up here, and then I got up here, and I don't know how to wipe my mouth off. Good morning. Um, I want to make you aware of, of uh, how we're going to continue on this morning, um, much as usual, but a couple of un- unusual things. We are going to continue uh, right now studying God's Word, as we always do. We are going to have an opportunity to uh, respond in worship and gratefulness to God in a little bit. And then, um, and then we're going to dismiss the worship gathering. And then just a few minutes later, we're going to start a, a brief meeting. And we're inviting all of you to stick around, but especially you official members. We encourage and ask you to stick around. Um, we'll have a break at the end of the worship gathering. And then we're going to uh, have a brief, um, we're aiming for 20 minutes or so, uh, informative update, informal update from our elders uh, related to our church family finances and the upcoming, um, upcoming budget process that we usually take care of this time of year. So encourage you to stick around for that if you can. And um, this will all be in lead up, as you can see on the screen, this will all be in lead up to our usual congregational meeting this time of year to um, where official members will vote to approve the budget for the next year. So thanks for um, helping with that where you can. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll keep things rolling nicely. And also, a few of you are registered to uh, join me over in the community center today for a membership lunch. We are sticking with the plan. We're going to keep things moving here well so that we can still do our best um, to start over there in the community center across the parking lot here to our other building. We'll do our best this morning so we can still start membership lunch at about noon. So if you're uh, registered for that, still plan to join me over there. If you didn't register for that, but you're interested in learning more about the two-way commitment of membership, uh, we probably could feed a couple more of you if you're really interested in learning more about what, uh, uh, what membership's all about. So, sound good? Ready to roll? Everybody awake? I'm fired up, so I'm trying to make sure you're ready to go. Um, as we get started, I want, to just think, I want us to think back just two minutes, three minutes, We found ourselves standing and lifting our voices and looking at words on the screen. What does this bring up in you? That we we were standing and we were lifting our voices and we sang things among, among which were these. Praise the one who set me free. Death has lost its grip on me. Were you lifting your voices in those words? Um, I've been reflecting, I've found myself reflecting in the last few days, couple of weeks, and I've um, had conversations with uh, a couple people related to this, and that is this, that um, I've been really reflecting on, I don't know what to call it, the mood, the atmosphere of our worship gatherings together, when our church family is together on Sunday mornings, and just sincerely from my heart, I want you to know how blessed and thankful I am to be together with you on Sundays, and certainly beyond Sundays. <laughs> as well, but, but something um, unique and awesome and, and spirit-filled when we gather together and celebrate what Jesus has done for us. I, I just have been blessed. I have found myself, I don't know what you're experiencing, my prayer would be that it would be some of these things, but what I feel like I'm experiencing as we gather as a church family is a, a sense of joy that comes from the Lord, a sense of joy that is true despite circumstances that may go up and down. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I find us gathering with a hopefulness, even when things are tough, uh, and trusting God. I, I find myself in caring interactions 
with, with, with fellow believers in Jesus and brothers and family, uh, sisters in this church family. I, I observe caring interactions uh, between you. And so it's just, uh, it's been a joyful, worshipful sense. And, and what I love about that is, I think it's because there's a growing freedom for us to express our hearts for God and do that in whatever way suits us, whatever way is, is, is our language of love back to God. And so it's been a joy to do that. And so, you know, um, this is not one size fits all, right? I hope, you've heard me say, I hope you all sing. Because it's not about whether you think you can sing or not. It's about voices, voices joined together to be one body, to make a joyful noise that the Lord hears. Um, but, but whether it's singing, um, you know, I've, I've, we've, I've noticed some spontaneous clapping, which is exciting. <laughs> I wasn't begging for it now, but okay, that's, that's good. That's good. Uh, you know, I, I, there's times when uh, some, not all, raise hands, not required. This is no right or wrong. This is no one size fits all. But the point is, is what? It's not about us all doing the same thing. It's about us coming to worship our great God and expressing to him our love and appreciation and thankfulness for what Jesus has done for us, his life, death, and resurrection, expressing that thankfulness in, in however we want to do that and giving each other the grace to do that differently, right? Um, so on a related, that's a very sincere comment from me about what we've been experiencing uh, in our church family. On a related note, but a lighter, uh, less serious note, as I prepared for the message this morning, I was reminded of, some of you know a Christian comedian named Tim Hawkins, perhaps? And this week, as I was preparing for the message for a couple of different reasons, it came to my mind how uh, Tim Hawkins talks about uh, hand-raising options for the church. And he has names. He gives names to the different hand gestures and hand-raising options that you have, not that you're required to do, but that you can proceed to participate in. Okay, so he has this, and, and, and his point is, is before, he goes, um, before he goes into the big hand raises, y- you know, like me, <laughs> the ones of you that have the poor choice of sitting behind me <laughs> when we're worshiping through music, um, before you get to those big hand raises, Tim Hawkins says, you know, there's ways to start small. So he gives some suggestions. And so he gives some suggestions, and he starts here. He says, put your thumbs in your pockets and just a little elbow flap while you're singing. Just a little elbow flap for the Lord. Okay? He suggests if you want to start small, you could go carry the TV. Carry the TV. I'm carrying the TV. If you're used to a widescreen, you might want to go out here. That's bold. He said, that's pretty bold. Go out here, go widescreen. And then he has the option of worshiping, lifting your hands again. These are just starters. These are just to get you, you know, get you interested. He's got one he calls, my fish was this big. The fish was this big. And then he says, if you're a liar, you know, right here, okay. But he said, Jesus loves you. Jesus, grace, my fish was this, this, this big. Okay, there's more. You'll have to go watch on YouTube. Um, go watch on YouTube. There's more. But um, when it comes to the fish was this big, anyone ever guilty of that? No. No, of course not. And this is just a silly example, but God's word is going to have us do some evaluating about the words that come out of our mouths this morning, and whether we talk about the fish being this big, 
or this big or this big when we really mean this big. So let's, let's think a bit more. Do you ever find yourself um, talking with someone? Maybe you can even think of a recent conversation you've had in your, within your family, coworkers, friends, in your spheres of influence somewhere. Maybe, have you ever found yourself talking with someone? You want to prove a point. You know, you, you, want, to, you want to emphasize something. Maybe, maybe a little, little bit back there in the back of your mind, you, you want to be funny as you're interacting with them, so you're thinking what you should say. Uh, maybe, um, you know, you're trying, to, you're trying to portray, maybe deep down you're trying to portray yourself in a good light. And so you're talking to this person about whatever the conversation is, telling them whatever you're telling them, and have you ever been saying the words out loud to them and in the back of your mind thought, that wasn't true. What I just said wasn't really, wasn't really true. Where do we catch ourselves bending the truth, I think we like to say? Where do we find ourselves embellishing for the sake of amusement? Where do, the, where do we find ourselves leaving details out that are important? Maybe to make our point, maybe to make ourselves look better. Do we, there are situations like that conversational situations like that. What else? What other situations? Do we ever say one thing? Do we ever say one thing and not follow through or say we'll do something and not come through? And I'm not talking about, um, you know, honest mistakes, you know, uh, forgetting. We're talking about intentional deceit, doing one thing, saying one thing, doing another those kind of things. Do we nod along? Do we ever laugh along with things that we don't agree with? Kind of giving silent approval? Or what about our online interactions? Are our online interactions representative of truth, reality? Or are we painting a picture that we want to paint? Um, giving a different impression to maybe of the way that we wish things are. So here we go. As we get into God's word this morning, um, here's, here's kind of what we're asking ourselves, what we're asking God to, to do with us this morning, is when I communicate something, do I need special methods? Do, do, should, I, should, it, should it be required for me to use some kind of special method or extra effort to convince you that what I say is true? Or does a faithful kingdom life not kingdom of self, but submitted to live the ways of Jesus in the kingdom of God? Or does a kingdom life repeatedly confirm the reliability of my words? Why don't you ask yourself that as well? Do we need some kind of special method or extra effort to, to prove to people we're telling the truth? Or do our lives confirm that our words are reliable? Are we, um, so I guess, you know, you could say it this way. Are we people who, when, when heard by others, worry that the fish was when we talk? Or, or do they know us to be radical truth-tellers, exceptional to the norm truth-tellers? So grab your Bibles, if you don't already have it out, open to Matthew chapter 5. In the New Testament portion of your Bible, toward the back, you'll find Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, stories of the life of Jesus. 
And we're in Matthew chapter 5. We're in a series of messages we've called Kingdom Life as we teach through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. This is one of the most significant teachings uh, ever. One of the most significant teachings recorded of Christ called the Sermon on the Mount. And we've been going through it week by week, passage by passage, and we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 5, verse 33. Remember that Jesus is... um, Remember that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures. He's not coming to set aside the Old Testament law. He's coming to really give us the heart of the Old Testament law. He's, he's, he's coming to reinterpret, perhaps, where it's been misinterpreted. If the Old Testament law has become kind of lost or misinterpreted or, or jumbled, Jesus is coming in the Sermon on the Mount to bring clarity and to bring fulfillment to the Old Testament law. As we learn to live not in a kingdom of self, not in a kingdom of one, but as we ask God to change us as followers of Jesus to live out kingdom lives, submitted to the ways of Jesus and living uh, in the kingdom of God. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 33, Jesus speaking, as he has been these last few sections, he brings up Old Testament scriptures and then he's going to bring us fulfillment and clarity. Verse 33, again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but you shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. So what's interesting here as we start is is Jesus is referring to multiple places in the Old Testament law where there is discussion about oaths, making an oath or, or swearing something to be true. And and clearly, the Old Testament allows for, even encourages, making oaths. Um, And and what that means then is, you know, swearing that something is true by invoking God's name. You know, in the name of God, da-da-da-da, what I tell you, you, you're you're communicating by this oath, by this swearing, that what you say is true. And, And the idea was, of these Old Testament laws, the idea was to help people keep their commitments, And the idea was to give um, assurance to those of you listening that that my word was good, that I meant what I was saying. The the idea of an oath, invoking God's name in an oath, was intended to um, make that promise, make those words more sure, more solemn, saying that we meant them. But what happened? As has, been, as has been the case in some of these recent texts and topics in the last few messages, there's the heart of what the Old Testament taught and said, and then over time, it's perhaps become misunderstood, misinterpreted, convoluted, kind of changed, kind of tweaked, and, and, and so we've lost the sense of it. And so by human nature, people, this is what happened over time perhaps with oaths, is that people by nature don't really want to take things that serious. I don't know if I want to communicate with that much gravity and significance. And so over time, um, not wanting to take things so seriously, oaths became lesser and lesser meaningful, uh, less and less meaningful. People began to uh, invoke an oath or make a swear on, on other stuff more minor, less sacred than God. So, you know, uh, the idea was, well, maybe if I don't use God's name, uh, maybe this oath won't really be as binding. 
Maybe I can swear by that chair over there or that building over there or whatever it is. And and now they'll think I'm telling the truth, but I don't know that I really want to invoke God's name. And so oaths became less and less convincing, less and less meaningful. They became frivolous. They began to be used so frequently in so many different ways, it became silly. You know, I swear on, on, yeah, that rock over there. I swear on my beard. And on and on and on. And, and these things that, uh, it, was like, it was like children saying, I cross, I'm crossing my fingers behind my back so I don't have to tell you the truth. Right? It was like taking an oath that was meant to communicate a solemn promise, and it was crossing the fingers kind of saying, you know, maybe I don't have to tell the truth now because my fingers are crossed. So, so then what happened with these oaths? What did people... Now, now if you're listening to an oath, you're having to do all this work. You're, you're going, hmm, let's see. Who, do, who is this person? What do I know about them? What did they swear by? Is, that, is the thing they swore by important, or should I consider it less important? So now you're having to make these judgments about whether their oath was substantial or not, right? You're having to do this, this exercise in your head of going, who can I trust? And does their word mean anything? So there's, this, there's Jesus setting the stage with what the Old Testament taught and what he wants us to know as followers of Jesus, what he wants us to know that kingdom lives include. So let's continue, verse 34. Matthew 5, verse 34. Jesus continuing, But I say to you, do not take an oath at all. Do not take an oath at all, Jesus said, either by heaven, for it's the throne of God, or by earth, for it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Jesus continues, but I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. So so Jesus is going to the heart of the original law. Jesus is going to the intent. Jesus is saying, hey, look, if you're going to play such games with your oaths, if your oaths are going to degenerate into not meaning anything then don't make an oath at all. Now, making sure where you, you know, some of your um, translations talk about oaths. Some of your translations might use the word swearing. And of course, we're not talking about swearing as in profanity or cussing. We're talking about this kind of oath that we've been talking about. I'm making an oath. I, by, by the name of God, promise to do this. You can trust me because in the name of God, I say. We're talking about that kind of swearing um, or, or oath-taking. And so what's a danger of oaths? A danger of oaths is because of our sinful hearts, we're going to use an oath now. There's going to be a temptation to use an oath to make a promise when really underneath what I mean is to deceive you. Our human nature, liars by nature, deceivers, there's a temptation now to use an oath to hide the fact I'm making you think I'm serious because I'm taking an oath, but really underneath what I want to do is deceive and not really make that promise. And that's a, that's a danger here of oath-taking. So Jesus is saying, when Jesus comes along and addresses this topic, 
Jesus is saying, instead of playing games with your oaths, instead of swearing by this rock or that caterpillar or your beard, let's just take oaths out of the equation and get this, let's make the words that come out of your mouth meaningful. That's what Jesus is saying. Now, why, so again, why was oath-taking, uh, making a swear necessary? It was necessary because we're liars. If left to our own, if not submitted to the grace of God and the Spirit enabling us, uh, our sinful nature uh, tends to be deceivers. And so oath-taking became necessary because of that. But kingdom people, followers of Jesus, submitted to Jesus, asking God by his grace and the Spirit within us to help us live kingdom lives, kingdom people have radical character, exceptional um, truthfulness, exceptional integrity, as God transforms us from the inside out, as, as Jesus uh, lives his life through us by the power of the Holy Spirit, what would be true of kingdom people is that we would be so truthful all the time that people would know they could trust us, believe us, depend on us. And so this is a, a, a daily a daily call, a, a daily hour-by-hour hour, uh, need we have for God, that, 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 that daily, that hour-by-hour, hour, that every interaction I have, that every business dealing, every interaction with my fellow students or my professor or my friends, that, that daily and hourly we, we, would, we would find ourselves by the help of God being truthful so that people would see us as genuine and the genuineness, the sincerity, the integrity, the truthfulness would be so consistent that we would be known to be reliable. Let, so verse 37 let what you say be simply, Jesus is continuing, verse 37. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than that? And he's kind of referring back to that possibility of needing to use oaths or using, needing to swear something. Anything more than that, saying yes or no, comes from evil. Whoa. What's going on there is saying if, if, if we need to if we find ourselves needing to kind of make an oath or swear by something because we want to deceive, if what's really going on in our heart and mind as we communicate with words that we want to deceive, we want to give this impression because we really know how we feel or what we intend to actually follow up with, if that's our, our heart is to deceive, then the root of that, where that comes from, the passage just said, is from evil. Or from the evil one, which is the name of first Satan. The Bible is clear in John 8 that the, the, the evil one, Satan, is the father of lies. That's what he wants to do in your life, through you to others, is deceive and trick and cause mayhem and cause relationships to degenerate and cause people to not be able to trust you or rely on you. The father of lies is, is trying to get in there and, and Jesus has a different way. 
And, and one thing that's just good to clear up here real quick is because sometimes I think this, uh, sometimes I know this has been taken too far, too seriously, too black and white. Jesus saying, let's not use oaths at all. Um, well, clearly as we look at all of Scripture, that's not entirely the case. I, I don't think Jesus is disallowing oaths entirely because here's some examples. There's, there's examples in Paul's writing in the New Testament where he makes an oath, invokes God's name to tell how serious he is. And it appears that in Jesus's trial before his crucifixion, that Jesus would be testifying under oath. So, so there are circumstances in life, special situations, where you may find yourself needing to take an oath, swear by something. And, and that, that's understandable and okay and normal. But I think Jesus's point is that oaths are permitted, but they're not encouraged. And they shouldn't be necessary in your everyday life. There might be these situations that call for an oath, but in your everyday actions, it shouldn't be necessary to invoke an oath for people to believe you. Does that make sense? So Jesus says, our kingdom life includes, would would be demonstrated as we live kingdom lives by the grace of God, by the power of the Spirit in us, Our kingdom life would include having our word be just as significant as as our signature on a document or a contract. People around us should be able to trust that we are going to say what we mean and mean what we say. And so... If that's what God desires to work in us and through us, if being transformed into the image of Jesus means becoming radical truth-tellers, if kingdom life includes um, lives of such consistency with truthfulness that we can be relied upon, if that's the case, then, then what's going on in our hearts? What's going on in these messy, sinful, tendency hearts that we have that leads us to say some of the things we do? Are are our hearts influenced by the father of lies or by our father in heaven, the one true God, the author of life and truth? What's going on in our heart? To what is our heart submitted to? to? To what situation in our heart is our mouth the overflow of? Where do we get that? Look at the screen at Luke 6, 45. Jesus says, the good person out of the good treasure in his heart produces good. The evil person, out of his evil treasure in his heart, produces evil. For it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. What comes, church family, what comes out of our mouth is a demonstration of our heart. Honest, an honest heart communicates honesty. A dependable heart, because God is transforming us and making us new and reliable, a dependable heart can be depended on. And obviously the flip side is that a deceitful heart, a corrupted heart, a heart submitted and distracted by the father of lies is going to overflow, corrupt, sinful, messy, blah. So garbage in, garbage out, or, or do we have hearts that are being transformed by Christ? Do we have hearts that are not left to our own sinful human nature tendencies? 
Do we have hearts that are being made new from the inside out, transformed increasingly day by day to be more like Jesus so that the overflow of our hearts would be glorifying to Jesus? Is it garbage in, garbage out, or are we being transformed by Jesus? Who is Jesus? John 14, 6 on the screen, Jesus says, I am the way and the what? We are people who love and serve a God who is truth. And so as we are submitted to him, and he transforms this heart, then the overflow of this heart, the words of my mouth, will be increasingly truth. We have truth. We can be transformed by truth. We can speak truth because, church family, we follow the one who is truth, the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to God except through Jesus. If what comes out of our heart indicates our spiritual health, if what comes out of our heart indicates that we need surgery, what, what comes out of our heart, what comes out of our mouth, I mean, if, that's, if the origin is our heart, does it show that we need surgery? Does it show that we need spiritual transformation? The gospel good news is that God rescues fish storytelling sinners like you and me. God rescues sinners that want to tell this about this. He rescues sinners like you and me who go our own way, who do our own thing, who rebel against God. He rescues us through Jesus because Jesus lived the life that we cannot live. He died the death that we deserve, and he was raised to new life, showing that we too can be transformed and brought into new life, life now and life forever with him. And not only that God, through Jesus, brought about our salvation, that we, that we come out of darkness and into the light, that we come out of death and to new life. Not only did God, by his love for us, through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, bring us salvation, but he's bringing transformation. If you are saved if you are submitted to Christ, if he has rescued you, if you're not trying to save yourself by your works and by trying to match up and by trying to do all the things, if you have recognized I can't save myself and entrusted yourself to God, God, I believe that you are the good and only God and that your son died for me. As we give our life to him, not only are we saved from sin and death, but he begins a transforming work in that cloudy, sometimes messed up heart making us new from the inside out. And so, of course, at Faith Church, we urge you to put your trust in Jesus for the first time or again because we need the gospel truth every day. The gospel is that good news that God rescues fish teller, storytellers and makes us into radical truth tellers. So give your life to Jesus. Because as we do, we see in Galatians 2.20, as we do submit to Christ, as we have been rescued by Christ, we can say these words about our experience, that we have been crucified with Christ. We have died a death to our old selves, to our sinful nature. And it is no longer, therefore, I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This transformation is occurring in Christ. You are dead to your old self. You're dead to your old, old ways. You have been crucified with him and raised to new life. And it is not you trying hard to do all the right things and to fulfill the pages of these scriptures, but is you are united with Christ and filled with God the Spirit himself, enabling you the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. And as we submit to Christ, and as we receive salvation, and as we are being transformed, we look again to the words of the Scriptures, we look again to the words of Jesus, and we ask Him to, make, to, to change us through His Word. And Jesus' words about oaths, in our Sermon on the Mount passage today, in Matthew 5, Jesus' words about oaths and swears must have made an impression on the early church. Those first followers of Jesus must have really found that to be significant because one of the first letters written ever, one of the first oldest letters in our New Testament is James, and James taught it from Jesus' words. But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes, and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. So may Jesus' words make an impression on us. They made an impression on the early church. They were repeated and taught as significant. And so may Jesus' words make an impression by us, by the fact that we are united with Christ and indwelled by his Spirit, and his Holy Spirit helps us live out the ways of Jesus. Let's do so to a world who desperately needs truth-tellers. Right? Honesty, integrity, people of character. One of the commentators I was reading as I studied this week said that the world, and even the church, needs it longs for freedom from dishonesty. It's everywhere. Our world, our, our spheres of influence, the people around us, even our fellow Christians in our church family long to be set free from deceit and dishonesty and not having to always sort through, well, who are they and what do they say and what do they swear by and do you think they meant it and can I count on them? The people around us long to be set free from dishonesty, and so may we believers model honesty and integrity to a dying world. As we submit to Jesus and live a kingdom life, it will include not being, my fish was this big storytellers. As we live kingdom lives, it will be becoming, being transformed into radical truth-tellers. When our yes means yes, church family, when our yes means yes and our no means no, may that be refreshing to the world around us. And as people are refreshed by our character and integrity and truthfulness, as people are refreshed by that sense of, our, of God working in our lives, may he get all the glory. May our lives point to the one who is truth. Father in heaven, thank you for a chance to study your word. We thank you for the gift it is to have your written word to study, to learn from, and to hear your teaching. God, I pray that these times and 
on Sundays together and, and our times reading your word during the week would not just be an exercise of getting it done, but God, I pray that you would help us to kneel at your feet, to submit ourselves to you, to hear from your word that it might change the way we live, and not because we have to try hard, but because you are at work within us. So God, while our, while our tendencies or our temptation might be to tell stories and embellish and leave something out, God, would your work in our lives radically cleanse our hearts so that the overflow of our heart would be words that honor you, that are truthful, that demonstrate our reliability because you are reliable. Would our words show dependability because you are dependable and faithful? Would our words show truth because you are truth? And would people see that you are at work within us? And as people see that you are at work within us, would it cause us to give you all the glory and point people to finding life in you? May our lives be truthful. May they point to the truth. May they celebrate the change that truth has made in our life. May we share the spectacular good news that God rescues. My fish was this big storytellers and changes them into radical, exceptional, consistent truth tellers. We need this. We need you. Work in us as you see fit. And now we lift our voices and we give our gifts and we say our prayers and we care for our church family around us all in thankfulness, all out of love and appreciation for all you've done for us, Heavenly Father. Thank you for your son and for the cross and for new life through Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.